0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 15th, 2014. I often talk about the way we think and how we perceive things and how we live in an age where it's well understood uh, how we think and, and how we behave and why we behave these ways because we're, we're basically formed by the system to behave in these ways and think what they want us to think about, basically. If you take your standard newscast uh, Most of it's propaganda Especially when it comes to wars and so on uh, The rest of it's generally lies about gasoline increases and reasons why they, they give it to you, things like that And we're given it by Straight face people on television The news anchors and casters And we're taught From childhood that somehow This is an official authority On truth, of course it's nothing Nothing to do with truth whatsoever Society is based on a system of control and we talk about negative freedoms or negative liberty, positive liberty same thing as negative freedoms and positive freedoms and so on but the fact is you're guided to think what your big boys at the top want you to think and have an endless amount and supply of, of, of guys to do this uh, on you professional behaviorists and so on working on you all the time for what they call all all ages and all stages of it, ages they call the good society now technically a good society is where uh, there's an amount of individual freedom which allows you to pursue things or, or even your own creativity in a sense uh, and get ahead in things without impediments it's always been a myth, it's always been that way at times, it's never been that way at all because money comes into the, the factory here and um, when money comes in uh, you have a system based upon opportunity through financing if, you're, if you have lots of financing and daddy is well known in the financial business regardless of how you do at school you're going to get up into the best universities it's just going to be that way and it's always been that way of course so there are many factors that influence what we call freedom, personal expansion of ourselves, the progress of ourselves and so on as individuals as opposed to groups and crowds and all the rest of it because those at the top want what they call a good society to serve them at the top. Therefore it always comprises a system of behavior, a behavior modification, self policing. Which is a big thing today, through incessant propaganda, through all radio, television, everything. You get all these little little tips on how to behave, and and and, and so on, and um, and you're taught what's what's taboo and what behaviour is taboo, etc., and what's okay. And today, of course, we live in a, a society where uh, you're taught that things that used to be incredibly taboo are now the best things to do. I just don't have any critical opinion about them and and you'll be all right. So if you have a critical opinion, even when you see the negative things that happen, the fallouts in society, you'll be condemned by the establishment. And that's how you run today. We're always run by those at the top who give us the ways to think, uh, what to think about the topics, to think about especially the topics, of course which really are just passing fads or phases and so on, or parts of political agendas or geopolitical agendas across the world, trade agendas and so on. They want you to think and see and behave in a certain way towards this uniformity of opinion comes along, strangely enough, with liberalism. People think liberalism is the kind of liberalism ideas that they had in the days of Thomas Jefferson, and it's not whatsoever, in fact, If you look at where liberalism took the world and opened up uh, the ability to talk about, say, evolution, or Nietzsche, to, to dethrone God sort of idea... And wh- what can you do? Well, look at all impediments of suddenly gone when God's dethroned. What can stop you from doing anything you want, basically? And Nietzsche was right in a lot of things because it meant that the state then could become supreme. All the old taboos about mass slaughter, real mass slaughter, were out the window, and even things that could be done on the general public, uh, physically, whatever. When you think about it. Uh, we're all open to 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 for the go ahead. So if you have no taboos, no restrictions, you can do whatever you want when you have power. Therefore, the good society is always defined as a good society by those in in rule. But liberalism also opened up the door, as I say, uh, of opening you, or getting you away from religions. The, the standard religions had given you what used to be called the good society. Uh, in the Middle Ages and so on, a time when when hopefully it would stop people slaughtering each other or their neighbours and robbing for each other and killing each other out of envy or whatever it happened to be. Uh, So it gave a a form, a semblance, enough taboos uh, not to break. And through that conformity you have something that just ekes along for the general population but does awfully well for those who, who run it at the top. And that's always the way of all ages basically, always the same. So you can't really have true freedom in a society when you're living amongst other people, obviously. Uh, you have to have some kind of rules to stop you from destroying each other and plundering each other and all the rest. At the bottom, that is. The only plundering that's allowed today is, is by governments and so on, on the people themselves. And it's done through official means, so it doesn't seem like plundering at all. So we're cons in so many, many ways because it's a per- a perfected art today of how to rule what's called the masses. But liberalism also, under the guise in the 20th century, it got to the, the, the people who could think about and see what they thought, and then they got really uh, hot-headed about certain, and carried away about it. And um, Socrates even, even warned about that. He said it's, it can be dangerous for the youth to grab an idea without understanding the idea in the first place, and the consequences of the idea. So what you've got really today is is this steamroller which you think is, is liberalism. And under the guise of liberalism, you have different freedoms, sexual freedoms, all these different things you can go ahead and do as long as the masses pay for all the fallout, which we do, of course. We pay for the abortion clinics. We pay for for foster care. We pay for all these different things account of each, each so-called freedom they give you. And when you're doing all of that, Because you're allowed to do all these things, you're not watching what the state is doing on a bigger, bigger scale, to all of you, of course. So everything is used, all the so-called freedoms can be used against you as well. And then you complain about all the taxation you have, and the welfare systems that you have, but then you have to look at the fallout from all the freedoms that you're allowed to do. So there are many, many factors involved. And because of liberalism... You, you find it opened up the door for for, to be, for communism to be discussed and then proclaimed and then pushed at the top in some countries, the Soviet Union. And we saw the massive slaughter of all classes of people, uh, and even religious people, slaughtered uh, by the Bolsheviks and right through uh, a good part of its history in, in the Soviet uh, era, uh, in Russia, China, and elsewhere under the guise of initially uh, collectivism, under the guise of pushing equality and collectivism and so on. which Inequality and collectivism negate each other, in actual fact. But that's how propaganda works. You push that with idealism behind it. And and then, of course, it never works out that way uh, at the end. So I always warn people about the groups they belong to. I mean, you think you're on a winning team. Be even more careful, as, as Socrates said. Don't grab the idea and run with it because someone's using you. And, and if, if it's someone uh, they it can be either authorized by the state or, or from the state itself. Or from those, I should say, that really comprise the state, which is above the political level. Who work with all these think tanks, they, they come in and listen to lectures of these big, massive, uh, tax-funded think tanks that you'll never get access to. Did you get all the feedback, all the information from the studies and so on, on us, you see? Because everything comes from us, all wealth. It really comes from all labor, etc., etc. So be careful of, of what you grab a hold of and run with. We find the same thing with the Nazis. The Nazis was a new idea, pretty well new, you see? Uh, lots of countries were into national socialism, in a sense, or at least the idea of the nation and empire building. And Nazism was part of that expansionism, empiricism, that kind of thing. Uh, they never put that label on Britain uh, for for expanding across the world. Uh, and Britain, what is Britain is a corporation, the people who comprise Britain, outside of the elite to dominate, it hadn't really any seen the matter at all. Uh, When they wanted more guys for the military, they simply made sure more foodstuff was dumped uh, on in Britain. Farmers went out of business, sons went off to war, so you had a cheap, plentiful supply of soldiers. Either or they literally put factories on go slow or shut them down to make sure there's enough people to go off and fight their wars. But that was never called Nazism, even though those at the top of the British Empire struck around like any Nazi... That's quite interesting to see how we don't perceive things the same way, primarily through the indoctrination we have uh, after the events, even during the events. But uh, as I say, Nazism opened up the idea for for this this whole new concept. Again, very socialistic, communist in a sense, equality. You're all going somewhere. There's a mass, it's a massive group, etc. But it was liberal thought that allowed that to come out in the first place. You see. And liberal thought, in other words, was breaking away from the old norm, which was a rigorous set of, of understandings. And today we find that under the guise of liberalism, you find that liberals, the actual liberal parties and so on, are the most intolerant of all. They tell you what the normal is, and if you don't agree with it, uh, oh, by God, they can even imprison you for certain saying certain things having an opinion of your own. Very dangerous time to, to think you have an opinion of your own indeed. Unless, uh, most folk actually, when they put out opinions, are along, along on the path of the liberal agenda, so that's okay. But it's not their opinion in the first place. They're simply parting it and putting different wording into it. I always find it fascinating to watch, in your lifetime, movements begin uh, and people joining them very quickly because they seem radical in some way. And uh, those who give of their, over their passions, their individual passions to the collective passion, and that's what's called, collective passion, where they give you a reason for being in the group and what the purpose of the group is and where it's supposed to go, they lose their individuality in the process. So you lose your individual passion for, for things to the collective and if you're being used. You'll always be used and you're unable to think critically about anything you see, hear, or whatever. Your 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 ability to, to actual function individually has been taken from you. If you do try to to profess any individual thoughts that go against the grain of the of the group, you're out, you're expelled and ostracized right away. There's nothing new in this. This also happened with religious societies in the past. You've heard of shunning, for instance, where your group would shun you, and, uh, and it simply has been studied so well by, uh, the guys who study, uh, psychoanalysis, for instance, uh, psychiatry, uh, social dynamics, these kind of things, interactions, um, that, that it's now perfected art by the, by those who control human behavior and they can create groups that sound awfully radical they say the youth are always the ideal ones to jump at because they'll jump for you when you tell them to when you think it's actually for themselves and they see things in black and white especially through the indoctrination they can get when they're very very young in school uh, they'll believe what they're told they're told that th- that these people are bad they're cutting down the forest there they can show you selected slight eclipse and the voiceover in the background telling you how bad it is, the music, they're very somber music, and you'll see everybody uh, uh, doing nasty things to, to, to little animals and so on. And that is your general picture of everything. What you're getting is a selective little part of something, but they're not showing the whole story, but, that's, but you'll think it is the whole story, and you can be radicalized awfully easy, uh, and often by very big businesses, by the way, who want those particular forests for themselves way down the road. If you go into the history of national parks, you find out the big foundations and corporations that started up the idea a long time ago for future use and exploitation for themselves, but didn't want any other competing interests. They wanted it for themselves, solely, and even had the laws written, often by their own foundations, representing the corporations, which were handed to government and passed right into law. So... Everything is, is basically a con unless you can figure it out for yourselves what things are really going on, why it's going on, and who is using you. Some people uh, get awfully depressed that went through so many movements one after the other uh, when they get to the stage where they realise they've been used by every single one, or the premise has been has been false. It takes them a long time to realise this, and they've been used. And their whole life has been used up by other other people's, other experts' um, programs. And they were completely unaware at the time that they were the useful idiots. But that's that's the way of humanity is always used, always used for, for a minority at the top, the dominant minority that runs it. They know where they're taking you. You don't. They'll tell you one story, but they'll do another. Politics itself works on that premise, of course. All the promises come out uh, initially, what they're going to do, and it never happens, never materializes. And you're always upset, but you don't vote in a new party, you voting an old party out, you're so sick of them. And that's why it keeps going this way. People never learn, though, they keep voting all their lives because they're told by the state to do so. And it's a bad citizen, of course, who doesn't vote, that's what they tell you. But as Professor Carl quickly said, he said the the topics eventually all become the same when it comes to election time. It's jobs, it's health, it's this, that, the other, schooling, the, the welfare, the usual things. So all the parties talk about the same things. Uh, and Quigley also went on to say that every leader of every party, for uh, back in the 60s he wrote his, his main book, he said it's been, like this say, for 60 years, not just in the U.S., but in Canada and the old British Commonwealth countries, and it still is today, obviously. So they're pre-selected for the leaders, doesn't matter if the ones down below them. Their advisors are often members of the CFR2, for instance, and the Royal for International Affairs. Uh, and the ones down below, the smaller politicians are allowed a little, little bit of competition, as we said. They're allowed a little bit of competitions because they don't really have the say, but they can show their stuff and if they're the right stuff they'll be selected to go higher and asked, invited to join the CFR Roland for International Affairs. And and not a lot not all of them do get into that of course. So it's a rigged system. As I say, what you vote is for the last lot to get out. Other ones, of course, they're doing a bit better. Than most vote will we'll, we'll vote the same way they did before. If they think it's conservative or whatever it happens to be, they'll vote that to try and keep things the same because they're benefiting. The ones at the bottom, of course, uh, will try all the, the, the what appears to them um more Marxist or liberal, but in fact uh, it's all the same. All the same. I followed and did some studying on the NDP in Canada, National Democratic Party, and some folks say it's a bit left of Karl Marx, but uh, they've been trying for a long, long time to get into uh, rulership of the feds, basically the federal government. And when you go into some of the top leaders, what fascinated me was they, they're often put into uh, departments of the United Nations for a while outside of politics, especially to do with the International Monetary Fund, which, of course, was set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, this private organization that helps run the world. And they own the World Bank, too. And some of them... Get put into these positions. The idea being that they use your tax money when they get into the the, the Overseas Economic Development Corporation, for instance, uh, to use your tax money to to put businesses across the world in third world countries, uh, and as generally uh, funding the set up of factories owned by the international corporations that already exist. Uh, but you pay for it all, and then uh, your country, uh, because they, they borrowed the money to, to pay it to, to this for this purpose, uh, you then uh, have to uh, pay the IMF back and the World Bank back on their behalf. So it's a big, big circle of con games that go on under many guises, and the public never figure it out at all. So. We're living in the con game world. It's always been this way. It's more uh, effective today because all the think tanks which produce the advisors and put them around presidents, prime ministers, and so on, that they're all well trained in how we work as the masses, as they say. Those at the top always want a standardized society if possible. And the more this technique becomes effective, the more standardized they want it, they become afraid of the individual. And so you get all the condemnation about the occasional individual who still want to either shut up about something or who asks questions which are taboo in this day and age because they've been deemed taboo by the top. And the taboos are reinforced not just through newscasts and documentary specials, but all through movies and dramas, etc. even comedies will put them in it too. Uh, you must go along with the flow, the authorised way of looking at today, today's taboos, and uh, and 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 do what's called the right thing for the right time. Then you're accepted. You get a pat in the head, and folk don't shun you. But very few folk have the gumption or the gall anymore uh, to completely be themselves. It's very difficult. And it's so perfected, in fact, the propaganda techniques uh, through novels, movies, everything. Don't forget that the writers are given uh, cash grants by governments for inserting into fiction, all fiction from all sources, the PC updates, politically correct updates, what should be taboo, what's not acceptable, etc., etc. And they write into their stories to make sure that this, this becomes a meme throughout society and it works awfully awfully well awfully well indeed and what i'm saying is beware of groups and if they're well funded and you know, a lot of, of uh, media time and so on then be very very careful because there's something else behind it even if it appears to be for you if it appears for you or say some of the right things to take you off in a premise or take you off into trying to reconstruct a past to bring it back up to date and live uh, in the past, it will never happen. You never go back to the past. This doesn't happen at all. And if you really critically analyze the past, people were just as brainwashed in the past by the, the dominant minority and the intelligentsia of the day who understood these things uh, as they are today. They're actually better today, of course. It's much more simple than the times gone by when you taught folk very little. That's all they that were taught. And you reinforced it by mandatory church attendance or whatever it happened to be. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying that gave you a type of good society where you weren't killing each other or stealing from each other so much. That kind of thing. But the, the so-called good society of today is incredibly well scientifically designed Organisation running everything in society, including not just the way that you're thinking, but they're already working scientifically on a generation just going in even to kindergarten because they have bigger plans for them going further with all of this than than you are. You see, that's how it's done, and that goes back to as I've mentioned Beria in the 1930s gave a, a common term meeting in Russia. And he talks about that, how he says, he said it used to take 70 years to make a change in societal direction. 70 years of propaganda on work, and work and work. And he says today we can upgrade it every four years with scientific techniques. So don't never ever dismiss the fact that the scientific technique behind pretty well everything, everything at all. Even regular talk show hosts for AM across the country, you tune in for their discussions or their early morning shows or whatever it happens to be. And in Toronto, they have great ones there who, uh, who uh, for instance, are very much like New Yorkers in a sense in that they pick a topic that's motive, and to get everybody arguing with each other right off the bat and they play the devil's advocate, you see. Oh, man jumps on the back of a bear that was attacking his dog. What a stupid man is this? That the mutts are going to live for a few years anyway, etc. good are they, blah, blah, blah. And immediately the reaction comes in a phone goes oh i 've got dogs, I love them, uh, uh, etc, and then the ones that, that, that they 'll play the devil' it's the advocate phone in and, and go the other way oh yeah they 're stupid now the, the man had no brains at all as You get a psychiatric evaluation, yada yada, and every topic is like that you 're given the topic off the bat you 're given the, the premise by the tone of the guy who announces it to you, and you 'll get the, the people pleasers as well who always try to people please. Uh, the guy who brings it out, the, the one the talk show host they see as the expert, the, the kind of grovellers, the guys that would bring the apples for the teacher, and they'll phone in and, and agree with them, and so on and so on. So it's interesting just to study the different types that fall for the traps that are laid out for them to fall into. But then again, why get up in the morning and have someone else's thoughts and, your, and irrelevances put into your mind in the first place? But folk today have been trained not to sit in silence and think for themselves. They're, they're terrified, though, of silence. They become fidgety and anxious. There's always noise. Their radio's on first thing. The uh, their cell phone's blaring away with something that's preset in it. And they can't stand silence. Thought and thinking for themselves, it actually is scary to them. Now, collective propaganda, through all the means I've mentioned before, when they're used, uh, will overwhelm the individual, and especially your critical faculty, your ability to, to critically analyze anything. If you join the group, that critical faculty is out the window because the emotions are then amplified in the group and you become almost fanatical. In fact, you might become completely fanatical inside the group. Now in the past, as I've mentioned before, about good societies and so on, you will also find that those who control it and laid it out for you to follow always use propaganda of, of many different kinds. But when it's all the same, then it's to make you all feel the same. And again, you'll suppress your critical faculty, but sometimes it'll work out for at least peaceful coexistence. And there's less neurosis they find out too, when there's a uniformity but where it's in, in the past with religions or whatever it's like a uniformity a feeling you're all and it's going on from the same direction you, you, you have a, a reason for existing all of these things are given to you and you don't worry so much uh, when that falls apart as we've found uh, as, as religion diminishes for instance uh, and scientific uh, systems take over more and more statisticians uh, all the different cons that go on Uh, there's more neurosis because people feel that they're lost and they don't know where to go. They'll try, they'll go, often they'll go shopping for religions or causes or beliefs or philosophies and they shop from one to the next all through their lives. And, and, uh, you you probably met lots of people like that all through their lives who are constantly shopping. It was very noticeable during the the so-called hippie era. And they went from one meme and, and theme uh, to the next, just jump, 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 looking for reasons for living, existing, existing and so on, things that would give them answers. But when they become unfulfilled, they jump to the next one and the next one and the next one. And they don't realize they're being guided by those who give you all these things uh, along a certain path. Uh, and they'll go collectively on that path. That's why terminology goes along with it. They're given the terminology to use, uh just like a doctrine and uh all the catchphrases and then they're given the new ones for the new meme that they're given to follow. But it's basically a shopping uh for a meaning, uh for a way to live and, and also to, to to be involved and be part of some some movement or group or whatever. You'll also find when you join groups, big groups that are authorized from above, especially that you become predisposed to further manipulations and suggestion down the road. And sometimes through the big think tanks, if you follow their strategies and so on, they talk about uh, creating a society for the next generation or the future, and you're being primed primed for, for the suggestions that will be put out along the way, to, that which will lead you along a certain path to be the desired citizen that they wish to create. Who'll accept the changes that they have planned for you down the road? So you're primed by predispositions and and ready for it when it happens. You think nothing of it. Your critical faculties, remember, are destroyed in the process. You don't think critically about things or say, "Well, whoa, wait a minute, that doesn't." You seldom hear that anymore from people. They simply go along with it because they've lost their individual critical faculty along the way. What goes along with propaganda isn't just the visual. You'll you'll find, and I've mentioned this so many times over years, that it it, it used to be called um, psycholinguistics, now it's neurolinguistics, and the the big neurologists were involved, and behaviours and so on. So we live in a verbal universe where we're persuaded into things by the way words and sentences are constructed and put across like a computer because if you are basically the computer, as they often use the analogy today, then uh, you live and make decisions on all the information being fed into you, uh, which you think is your own, basically, or you're being selective, you think. But no, you're taking all these different things purposely put out there, uh, fed into you. And remember, a computer program, a person, a person who creates a computer program, I should say, he understands that computer. He understands its language, he understands how it works and so on, and its processes, and he feeds a question in, ideally, the the great uh, programmer, knows what answer it must arrive at. The conclusion must be logical, according to its program, and the system in which runs it, and so on. It's logic, if you like. Therefore, when you're fed all these different facts, statistics, etc., you will come... ...to the conclusions desired by those who designed uh, the, the premise in the first place... ...for you to, t- to arrive at. So it's very simple, but it works awfully effectively... ...and uh, we well, live, as I say, in a verbal universe today. That's why phrases, for instance, little phrases... Now Lenin said the same thing, we shall win by phrases and slogans. Uh, that's why you're given these things to repeat over and over again... ...global warming. Now it's climate change as the warming fell flat... Etc. And the chem spray uh, trails are all over the skies. They deny they're doing it. If you go into the geo corporations that are involved in this. They're obviously doing it and, and they admit to it in, in a covert sort of way. Because uh, it's getting to the stage there's too many folk at, at, at last, at last, after, after years and years of being spread, looking up and seeing this mush being created above their heads. Uh, and um, they're watching the, the manipulations of the weather constantly. So we live in a completely controlled system and environment, and nothing is, is put out there really except lies and trivia. The trivia, of course, is meant to think you, that you live in a little colloquial uh, cut-off area and uh, the boonies or something, and this is how you all behave. They give these little personal stories that mean nothing to you except that they're telling you that this is a this is a good person. The state's always telling you what's a good, what a good person is. And it's a person who doesn't cause ripples or waves in any possible direction, who's involved in things which don't really matter as far as change goes, and that's the good person, the little personal stories that you get. I think little emotional things uh, that keep you um, going ooh and ah, etc., just like the little stories on animals they give you in some newspapers, even though they pose the photographs and things like that to make you go ooh and ah and talk about it. It keeps you away from thinking deeply or critically about anything that really matters. Now, religions never die. They often change and they adapt. And even when uh, those who come out against religion bring in their new theories of society under various guises and terminology and so on, In the scientific age, they're still religious. They're religious in that they decide what the good society is to keep everything fairly stable for the existing structure at the top. And they never talk about the destruction of the monetary system as it stands. For instance, that never happens. It doesn't matter who gets in. And, and of course, they, they, they have religious premises, all of them do, even the science community. Has, the whole look all the scientists who are employed by the, the International Panel on Climate Change, the United Nations get awfully well funded through all our tax money for from, from national tax monies and international tax monies, and the money from the United nations that all comes from our taxes too, uh, so, so they 're not going to go against the premise that this, that this is happening. Because after all, they catch on very quickly too. It's a social program here for, for, for real change in the way that we are to live and be under more control. They understand that perfectly well. And you never ever separate sciences today from politics. It cannot be done. It can't be done. There's always an agenda at work. There's no true science anymore. If it's true science, you'll be discovering everything, lots of things all the time that are really of no use at the moment to anybody. But doesn't happen. Lots of studies go on, thousands of studies go on, all funded by foundations, private foundations, that really run the big uh, international world. But they keep the information to themselves for their own use. But we're given statistics, etc., to follow, which is simply a way of conning you to go along with some theory or whatever for the present, even though they'll disprove it down the road by a contrary theory. And science today is often made up of nothing but theories what they call science today, not the true sciences. But they take on religious premises, that's an important part. Because whatever is particularly correct today is put across in a religious way, with real condemnation by authorities and media, etc., on the person who says something or quite asks a question or perhaps knows too much and doesn't understand why they must keep their mouth shut so a religious technique is used upon them you you must be a good member of society which means you believe what you're told to believe and and you will very much like george orwell's 1984 if you you're caught out because you don't really believe something which you've been put across in a fanatical religious zeal or way or zealous way then you'll be sent off reconditioning at the very least Being a religious uh, technique, you'll find that, as I it say, it's authorized by the state. Here's what you believe. You're a bad person, or, or they'll use a lot of derogatory terms, which you're used to hearing uh, on, on slurs on, on certain groups of people, or whatever it happens to be in the past. And you'll apply it yourself to them and think, oh my God, that would be seen as that. So you shut up and go along with it. You must believe. It's very, very religious. And the technique, of course, is used and it's artificially induced. Now much of the world's news is really faked, really faked. But what's interesting is that the way it's put across, much of the fakery is put across, it becomes truer than truth itself in the minds of the public. Because they all agree, they've all heard it, and they know it, that they should believe it. Therefore, it must be truer than reality itself. If you check into it in any depth at all, You'll find it's untrue, of course, but uh, that's what you often find with propaganda. The information will seem truer than fact, a lot truer. Be very careful there, be very, very careful indeed. Now, many big think tanks that study this and use it uh, against us through the experts, which are employed by the powers that be, Talk about us living in a hallucinogenic world. Our reality will be partly hallucinogenic because of all the fake news and rapid succession and the memes changing in rapid succession to suit the, the ruling minority, the dominant minority. Uh, And how we lose our grounding, etc. Again, a cause for neurosis. And hence, people run off for analysis or drugs or whatever it happens to be. uh, Either illegal or illegal doesn't matter anymore. uh, Because the effect is the same. It it dulls the mind. It quines the mind. And puts you out of worry for a long time. Maybe permanently too in some cases. So... This this transitory reality that we're living through is constantly changing and being changed by experts as they guide it and update things and so on. Remember, the effect of propaganda and the purpose is to work on the, the unconscious, the subconscious, you might say, and to leave you feeling that you're making your own decisions. And that works awfully well. It was said long ago, in fact, that by those who studied uh, society and philosophies, etc. and history, it was said long ago uh, that the democratic systems wouldn't need so much fakery in the news uh, to con the public, to go along for the so-called good, cohesive society, workable society. Uh, But at the time would come if one particular superpower arose or, or another, or maybe two, uh, then that would tend to break down and the masters of efficiency, the high priests you might say of efficiency, would not hesitate to use constant propaganda. Well, we are there today, especially since we're moving into the what's called the global society where a minor- the minority and the financial minority too uh, will dominate the whole planet. They're pretty well there, in fact, to be honest with you. And, uh, and, and so you're being programmed in preparation for all of this by incessant upgraded and updated propaganda techniques and many folk think they can escape it and avoid it by not listening to certain things but if you watch television at all or even listen to media all the time or read media all the time you're being affected by it you can't help it and you become inured to it and and once, once you're inured to propaganda techniques there's no going back it's got you quite simple I've often thought about power itself, power uh, from the, the dominant minority all the way down, because there's many categories of power structures all working for the dominant minority in one way or another, and benefiting, of course, more so than those at the bottom. That's how the whole system, uh, society has worked out. Uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of societies are tried in the past, it's always the same structure. Under different guises, it's just exactly the same. And the psychopathic types that really crave power who love sports, who love the winning, winning, winning aspect of things, gravitate to the top where power is. They always try and get up there by any and every means possible. And they're master manipulators to begin with, so they see nothing wrong when they they get up and they can use uh, big marketing companies and specialists to put propaganda upon you. And therefore they're, they're now in the structure that controls the system. And the system itself is based on keeping you feeling inadequate, in a sense, and 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 fearful. The average person goes to work, it's man or woman, doesn't matter, Uh, it's some meaningless job. Whereas in an office, or uh, there's very few factories left, around in China, but uh, through free trade, of course, Uh, but the fact is, or, or they're stacking shelves in grocery stores or supermarkets, meaningless jobs. And they go home at night, and they really sit and wonder what their life is all about. They often think back to their past... Uh, when, when they were adolescents and they, they did things more radically different, spontaneously, etc. And from then on it seems like everything's been ordained for them. They go with the flow in a world that seems insecure. They're always worried about wars. They're told to be worried about wars or price increases or gasoline increases, whatever it happens to be or the economy falling or whatever it ha- They keep you living in fear all the time until you feel like a complete non-entity. Once you feel like a non-entity, you belong to a group a big group, by the way, uh, that then uh, will encourage you to vote a certain way or do something a certain way, your fear game to be used again because you've lost yourself. And the whole point of life really is to reclaim yourself because, believe you me, most of you have lost it as soon as the propaganda starts, which is as soon as you understand the first words uh, that people speak. If the system gave a system to you which was stable... Uh, then propaganda itself would begin to lax off as well because everything becomes lax during a long period of stability. And even the propagandists themselves become lax and inefficient and people would start to think for themselves. That's the one terror that those at the top have. Therefore, they can make sure uh, through uh, hiring and firing they always have the most uh, ambitious people working for them to keep us all uh, on edge all the time, the top economists, etc., that come and go. It must keep you living in fear and and worry for your whole length of your life. I used to be amazed at people who've been in the military and wars and things. And you're always recruited when you're young because you're easily molded to become part of the mob or the military. That's what you are. You lose your individuality. You're taught to obey, obey, obey en masse and jump to it. And that's what you do. And they go off and do things that are not allowed, they're not allowed to do in civilian life, like slaughter people and get little medals for doing so. Things like that. Lots of praise from their peer group. But once they're outside that peer group and they're back home in civilian society, uh, they're into the same mundane life of compliance, living in worry and fear. Can I, will I have enough money to pay for all these things? Uh, and so on. Or is the economy going to go flat? I'll lose my job. Uh, so they, they constantly look back on the one time that they felt they had some kind of freedom, even though that freedom was directed into benefiting a plan which they really had no idea what it was about. It's like the guys who go off to fight Gulf War One, and then they continue, and it really never stopped Gulf War One to the present time. And, uh, it's like the only time they lived at one time. And when they come back into civilian society, they fall apart. Because suddenly there are nobody again. There's no peer group there to, to pat them on the back and, and etc. Do all the, all, it's, it's all the comforting things. I mean, you feel accepted. You're just one of the, the non, the faceless masses, you might say. And they've lost it all. So even when you think you've lived one time, even though you've been you've joined the military, uh, and fought in the greatest causes and all the rest of it, you're being used. And you are allowed to do very primitive things, which, as I say, you would not normally be allowed to do. You'd be severely punished for going around slaughtering people any, any other time in your own society. When people have got to a stage where they feel they're living in a void, uh, in a spiritual vacuum, and even a, a meaning vacuum, it's meaningless in a sense, uh, then, of course, they have a hard time even living with other people and families for instance the television takes the place of conversation it avoids all friction unless they're fighting over what station they want to watch but now they have all different television sets and all different rooms now so they can go off and coexist in a sense without ever existing at all with each other in the other sense therefore this vacuum is filled by escapism which also contains propaganda as I've said before but you're allowed to do things in a movie setting that you can't do in reality as well. Uh, they're taboo, and it would cause chaos if you tried it, of course. And, of course, your families would all break up because everyone would be, be promiscuous with everybody else, for, for a starter. And in the end, too, the hero always has a purpose in a movie, and, uh, and he generally wins, especially in American movies, and which is vastly different from any kind of truth that there is. Uh, you, you look at special raids or special services on raids on different compounds. Uh, lots of them often get killed and doing it, but not in the movies, because the bad guys can never shoot straight, and the good-looking guy always wins. And th- that's how it happens in the movies. And, but it, you look around you after the movie and you're in your own life, and what are you, and where are you? And do you, have, do you have the blonde hanging on your arm? Of course you don't. Only the guy in the movie has that. Uh, and same with the blonde Is she going to have that, that hero type figure Of course she's not But she's always going to be looking for it So it creates dissatisfaction And dissatisfaction uh, creates further nihilistic tendencies Within societies And you get especially family breakdowns But it's very interesting to watch families uh, Literally stay, stay together to an extent For maybe the, the raising their children Up to the university age or beyond And, and very little is ever really talked about in the home Because television and radio Takes the place of having to converse with each other There's a form of escapism Constantly available to them And There's also intense indoctrination Being prolonged Side the fantasies which they all uh, Drink up Now the reason That great writers for instance That that were futurists as well Wrote great books back in the 1930s Like Huxley, Aldous Huxley And you find that that, uh, his associates, too, put out good books about that period because they were all involved at a very high level, in fact, with working on the propagandists of their day and the, the dominant minority. Some of them belonged to the dominant minority, in fact, some of these big authors. And they talked of the future to come, where a form of nihilism would come with all the pressures of the technical society we live in today. And they were well aware of, of the techniques they'd have to employ to keep us all distracted, constantly distracted from the self. And that's really what entertainment is, of course. And many examples came out of that era, even in the 1930s, 1938, I think it was, you find a man uh, called Butlin in, in Britain created the first sort of holiday camps, which even uh, many working class people could afford. And the idea was to constantly distract the people from the day they went in all through that day with distractions and a guided kind of tour of distractions so that every day was different from the last day and always kept them from stopping and thinking for themselves. That was the point of it and that's why it was such a great success. And many of the other camps and tourist camps uh, employed the same techniques by copying that. And even the Soviet system copied that for because every worker in the Soviet system was guaranteed a holiday every year and often to the Black Sea area, massive resorts. And every day was laid on just like the Butlins camps in Britain where you, you're, you're never left to the self. You're always distracted by something until for, for one or two weeks, you're totally distracted from the self And and you were spinning by the time you came out with all different kinds of concepts, which really didn't change anything at all in your life. You'd find out down the road as they wore off. Today with television, it's much easier. There are always new concepts. You can just go through all different stations and channels and and be distracted by whatever it happens to be, uh, as long as it keeps you from thinking about the self. And that's very important By uh, under the system which dominates you. One of the reasons that various techniques work on most people is because of peer pressure. People belong to groups. They want to belong to groups, the great society, whatever they want to call it, and therefore they want to be accepted by their peer group especially. And of course, even when their peer group is being altered gradually by very clever indoctrination and even change their opinions on certain things because of it, then... um, The average person wants to go along with them rather than be an outsider, cling to the old taboos or the old way of looking at things and adapt to the new way of looking at things and be concerned about things you never thought about before because you're told to. Uh, That's constant in propaganda. Therefore, in a sense, everything that's natural to humans is used against them. The, the need to belong to some kind of group, just a community, whatever it happens to be, even your neighborhood community, just people you bump into on the streets and so on and know them, uh, is used against you so that your, your topics of conversation will be changed for you. You'll be politically correct in different things and have, have all the correct, uh, uh, statements, slogans and so on. And you'll react the same way of, of, of disdain because of Pavlovian conditioning, when someone else brings up something that you've now adapted into a different kind of point of view, the acceptable point of view. So you're constantly being worked upon. So it's very difficult for the individual to attain uh, their own sense of critical thinking and individuality in this particular modern system where everything uses propaganda. Every, everything out there uses propaganda, including all the that you think are the good things are used for propagandistic and often socialistic change purposes and change by power elites above them all that you know nothing about. When you look at all the big charitable groups, for instance, and you see that who helps to finance them, and even government money put into them too, you got to question why these what 's the real purpose what 's the real motives behind all these big groups and you 'll find, for instance, that so many agencies were set up even through the '50s '60s and '70s and onwards, just through uh, say even one organization, the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, uh, they were involved in and creating the politics of the U.S., the foreign affairs departments of the U.S., the military of the U.S., the CIA of the U.S., and their foreign geopolitical strategy, because they literally guided the CIA to go along with their strategies in the Far East and in all through Latin America, where their own particular businesses were, were either already founded uh, and set up or they had plans for the future to put more businesses into those countries. They wanted a stability put in enforced by military doctrine and political um, systems of the U.S. to ensure their own personal benefit. But they also shaped a world, a society and a culture uh, to go along and back up this particular idea for, the, for themselves of the, how a, what kind of future they wanted to bring in. Then they worked with the other foundations because they all work collectively. Just look at the IBM annual meetings and look at all the participants and anybody who's anybody in the corporate world, they're there. They're there. They're all working together. They can't work against each other. They must work together. And many of them have the same minority of shareholders, dominant shareholders, running all of them. So we're living in a a very, again, um, fragmented reality. Uh, It appears to be fragmented um, because we're given the fake reality, and the fake reality won't cover all of the, the, the edges that are sticking out underneath it of, of reality at all. It, it tends to poke itself out, and you've got to think for yourself. So you figure anything at all out in this day and age, and don't just jump into groups. Don't follow them because a, a leader comes along and says the things you want to hear. Uh, ask about the motives, where they're taking you, and so on. And since everyone can pretty well read the exposés on the political system and the fact that most, in fact all, top politicians in the so-called Western countries and so on are members of one organisation before they go into politics, they're selected and they follow their orders then you should be above all of that. So therefore, when they tell you to simply go and vote for a party or the guy they put out in front to distract you for a while, uh, you're being led up the garden path. It's not going to work, obviously. The General Joe uh, will never break through into reality. He's a creature of, of, of conformity, and propaganda has worked very effectively on him. He doesn't want to rock uh, the boat that he lives in, basically. There's his sphere of influence. He doesn't want to rock it in any way. And uh, he's made his mind up and, and accepted the opinions that have been given to him. It keeps him out of trouble. He knows this. And he, he'd do anything for a passive life. It's a shame that we're all born with so many potentials in us. But that's how you end up it's for so many, many people. They don't want to rock the boat. they so a passive life. And the guy of this existence unfulfilled and they also die without ever knowing what reality was or is. And that's pretty sad in a sense. Uh, other other folks, of course, who, who manage this whole system say it's not sad at all. They literally say scientifically, what does it matter if a person knows what truth is? As long as they conform and do what they're told, and serve the system. That's a sad state of of reality. And I'm always aware, uh, weary, I should say, of people who suddenly come out to present themselves as leaders and lead you in circles forever. You know. Think for yourselves, as I say. You must think for yourself. And if you don't do that, then who's doing the thinking for you? Someone is. Lots of people actually are. And and don't just parrot their opinions in conversation like a clone. A programmed clone. You have a great mind, so, so use it. And if you use it, it won't solve all the problems. But it certainly makes you free in a sense, you understand what the problems really are. And the chronology, as I call it, that we're born into, and the techniques that are used to go along and conform, And even get updated when it's time to change the system to to a little degree to suit the masters. We are upgraded as it goes along. Always be aware of these techniques being used upon you. And when someone says to you, oh you can't say or you can't think that. Or you can't even ask that question. There's something vastly wrong, not just with the person saying it. But the system that allows them to say that and even promotes them to say that to you. Because surely general inquiry is the only way you can learn anything at all. And you have to ask questions. A child asks all kinds of questions because they haven't got it through their head yet. They're not allowed to. They learn that as they grow up. And they learn that in school. You must socially conform to the status quo. Whoever it happens to be at that particular time. But that's the only way you can possibly learn and come to conclusions and be a, a more complete human being. Is to understand what's happening, why things happen, why you are the way you are, and look at all of the influences working upon you. Who did they serve? It's not you. It's not you at all. So start using your minds, for goodness' sake, and uh, and and take that adventure. Now, many folk I'm, I'm well aware don't want the adventure. They, they've chosen what seems to be the easy way out—complacency. They can't handle stress that comes from conflicts which arise from understanding different things. Because a conflict can arise uh, when it's in opposition to your your indoctrinations. And that sometimes arises in people. And they can't quite handle it. Some have a different pace of going forward than others. Don't overdo it. Don't have too big a meal of it all at one go if you can't handle it. Take a bit at a time. And think it through. And silence, preferably. You can't think with distractions going on. Well, that's a brief run through of something. I'd know nothing planned again tonight. I just opened my mouth and yapped, so. We scratched the surface in a few things. Now remember, too, that I can do with your assistance, if you like what you're hearing, and it certainly is educational, uh, you could possibly help me out by sending something in. you find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, uh, I'm not asking for, for you to send your uh, big donations here. Anything at all will do. Because lots of people across the whole planet listen to my talks. Many other people have taken it and put it in books form for themselves, never mention me at all. And that's just the way things are in this system. And this life we live. But, uh, you certainly helped me out too, because it costs a lot of cash, as I say, to keep all the websites going, everything else going that goes along with it. And uh, also too, I'm amazed that how many people have never heard of before who simply write in to ask questions about things, who are also writing their books, and they, th- and, and they, they never think about, uh, they think you're a, a walking library doing nothing else. So they, they give you this to pass the time, I guess. But it would certainly help, as I say, because people have used the, uh, much of what I've talked about over the years. And universities, even some universities and professors have written to me to ask me if they could use uh, uh, some of the talks I've given. And other students have, have, have gone through the universities with them, in a sense, and have used uh, my talks for their own thesis and various uh, subjects, etc. So... It would certainly help me if people realize I'm not stinking rich, I don't sit in a smoking jacket and sip uh, brandy, Uh, I have to work and live, and uh, I, I don't expect much in life financially, but I have to certainly get by, and when things get bad, you're not getting by, I have to remind people. we become complacent at times too, because folk think they can turn on you and you're on, and it's like a TV show, well I'm not selling ads. And that's how television shows can finance themselves and video shows, constant advertising and many of them even have uh, cuts and, and uh, shares and, and uh, the things they're selling too so I don't have any of that. I prefer to give you something straightforward without breaks and interruptions because that's how you truly learn. And I'm not doing it for any other purpose. So from Hamish Macelle from Ontario, Canada this good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.